DKS 18 is sponsored by Meme Global, a killer video and marketing solution for entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, the podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. .za or tweet this show using our handle at Digital Kung Fu ZA or follow us on Facebook.com slash Digital Kung Fu ZA. So why are startup cultures so important today? Well, for me, culture eats strategy every time. And ironically enough, it's the one thing that's probably overlooked more than anything else by startup founders and entrepreneurs. Because culture is so critical, how does one approach building it? And that is the question on the table today for our guest, which is Jason Zanopoulos, the CEO of Native VML. A, a huge reputation behind him, and he really knows what he's talking about. I highly recommend that you check out the, um, the part of the show where he talks about the tribes process that they use within their own uh, company. Uh, where he effectively used this methodology to merge three cultures into one. So I highly recommend that you pay attention to that. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Kung Fu Show. My name is Matt Brown and I'd like to start off today's episode by teasing in the subject um, of our chat today um, with our guest, which is a quote by Jeff Bezos, uh, where he said, quote, our culture is friendly and intense, but if push comes to shove, we'll settle for intense. Our guest today is one of the pioneers of digital in South Africa, having founded VWV Interactive all the way back in the mid-90s and going on to become the CEO of numerous companies like Prime Media Entertainment, Metropolis Transactive, and, and currently he is the CEO of Native VML. He is also an acclaimed film and commercials director and is also one of the youngest CEOs ever of a Johannesburg uh, stock exchange listed company. I think he was 28 back then. So our guest in the hot seat today is Jason Zanopoulos. Jason, thank you for your time today. Pleasure. Hi, Matt. Thank you. Cool. So we're going to be talking about startups and culture, um, and I'd like to jump into things with an analogy. Um, I liken a startup to flying a plane and then attempting to build the engine in midair. The engine, in this case, is the team and the culture that effectively drives the organization. But typically, without the right culture, startup founders can quickly um, see their perceived concord unravel and turn into the equivalent of the Hindenburg disaster. (laughs) Uh, So in your view, how important is culture in a startup and business today? You know, I think that culture is everything, uh, to be honest. We, we, we really take culture very, very seriously at Native VML and, and um, have been very purposeful in how we've built culture in the organization. Um, and uh, there, there, there are many reasons for that. But I think that, you know, ultimately, um, any business that you're starting is um, going to rely on the effective collaboration of, of, of a group of people and people in the world collaborate most effectively when they are connected to a central story, to a shared mythology, a shared narrative, or at best a shared set of values when they believe in the same things. And when you look at the growth and development of civilization, 
uh, through the ages, what you see is there's the central mythology or the central narrative that has, has helped people to band together and grow. Um, and, and really that's what, what culture is about. Culture is about creating and entrenching and living um, a shared narrative. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so we think that that is, you know, vital um, to creating a, a, an effective um, environment for collaboration and teamwork. Okay. You touched on a few things that I wholeheartedly agree on. Um, but, you know, having said all of that, I think it's very ironic in my view anyway, that a high performance culture is as much as it's a critical aspect, like you touched on in, in succeeding in business and especially in the context of startups, but so often it's overlooked as a key business driver as, or the driver of success in business. Um, why is that? Do you think? Um, you know, I think that we come from a world in which, um, it, you know, let's, let's move back 20 or 30 or 40 years before the kind of the internet came along and democratized things before um, the internet and social media, you know, added this, this sort of um, need for transparency on top of everything. And we lived in a world that was built according to a kind of command and control structure uh, where things were, you know, information was shared kind of on a need to know basis because whatever organization you were running, you were trained to believe that you needed to control the message. Um, So everything was done according to, you know, this command and control structure, this sort of closed structure. And I think that in that environment, people were more concerned with, what they pretended to be, the, the image that they put out, the fi- kind of face that they put on things. And, and, and because in many ways you could be rotten on the inside and beautiful on the outside and people would think you were beautiful. And so culture was in many ways less important or seemed less important because you could hide it. Um, you could hide what you looked like on the inside. But I think with the internet and social media, we, we, we came upon a time where whatever you were on the inside is what you ended up looking like on the outside. And so you could no longer hide a rotten culture. You could no longer um, plaster it over with great marketing or, a, you know, a brand slogan or an image. Um, and so I think that in some ways, uh, you know, people just um, uh, um, – tended to ignore something that was really, really vital. Um, but I think that, I think fewer and fewer companies are making that mistake now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. As you say, um, digital has kind of disrupted or democratized that centralization of culture. Hey, cause it permeates now into everything. Everyone is effectively a brand representative. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, the thing about culture is that, um, is that culture is not as much as you try to impose a culture on your organization. Um, it isn't really something that can come from above or from a kind of some dictate or directive. Culture is emergent. It comes from the interaction between people. It comes from um, the, the stories that, uh, that, that, that emerge from, you know, your experience of building that company. And you can certainly create building blocks for culture in many instances, I think, the, you know, the strongest building blocks of culture are values, a shared set of values on top of which you build behavior and that behavior eventually um, uh, turns into culture. But, but, but culture ultimately is the expression of the combined experiences of the people in the business. Um, and so every single company, every company without fail has a company culture. 
there are many companies that don't consider it important or don't shine a light on it, but they cannot deny or escape the fact that they have a company culture. And those who don't shine a light on it and those who don't actively try to cultivate the right culture generally have quite a shitty culture, but they've got a culture nonetheless, um, and you just can't escape from that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the word expression uh, just now. Um, I often describe a business's culture as an expression of the dysfunction of management, namely because the strategic management <laughs> management function is so critical, as you say, creating and developing a winning culture. Um, but oftentimes that's not really achieved, um, which means mistakes are being made. So what do you think are some of the common errors or mistakes um, from strategic management, the founders of startups making when it comes to uh, building a winning culture? So, I, look, I'm not really sure that I know what uh, a winning culture is, and I'm not even sure I kind of am comfortable um, with that term. I think that it kind of, in a way, it seems to direct culture toward um, something that is that is is too sort of one dimensional, but but leave that aside. I mean, you know, maybe it's maybe it's okay. It's just kind of has a sort of Amway ring to it, which freaks me out a little bit. But, um, but, but I think the, the thing with culture is that um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that manage, management make about culture is that they think that if you write down what you want the company to stand for and you stick it on the wall that's going to somehow permeate through the organization. Um, and I don't, think that, I don't think that works. I think that I do think that um, culture is influenced very, is, is majorly influenced by things like structure. Um, and, and the way you structure the organization is going to have a very profound effect on your culture. But I think that you have to build culture up from the bottom. I don't think you can build it. So, yes, you can live it from the top but it's ultimately going to emerge from the bottom. And I think that what you need to do is you need to clearly understand and state and articulate and then live the values of your organization, your worldview, the things that you believe in, the kind of, as an organizational consultant that I used to work with um, would say, the don't fuck with. You need to know what the things are that you must do and the things that you simply cannot do and, and then create structures around those um, that, that, that are an expression of those values um, that then gives rise to, to the culture. So I think that the biggest mistake that strategic managers make either is to ignore the effects that things like structure and values will have on culture um, or to not you know, actively pull those levers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. Um, I was going to paint a scenario for you specifically in, in the startup context because often you find that when a startup gets going, you have um, basically a small team of people that really live a particular set of cultural values that you, as you describe them. But then as the company goes through rapid growth, there's a very much a demand to actually implement new structures to fulfill the demands of growing the company or markets, for example, marketing or sales or CRM or whatever the case might be. So what you inevitably have is a situation where you have the old guard (laughs) and the new guard. And very much there's a huge disconnect between um, those who feel like they really understand the, the culture that was started at the beginning and those that are coming in from more so established cultural 
um, experiences and so on. So to your point earlier on cultural mix, right? It's getting that kind of thing right. Um, in that particular context, do you have any advice for startup founders? So I think that, um, so a few things, I, I think in terms of, of culture from a startup point of view, and maybe I'll just use some direct examples from, from Native because yeah. Yeah. It, in many ways, you know, and I, I did do, I did do a, um, a spoke a, a little bit at Gibbs about building culture as well um, out of the Native experience because the Native experience has been uh, pretty intense from a culture building point of view because Native was actually formed um, by way of a merger. We merged three separate specialist agencies together in order to form one new new entity called Native. And building culture um, in a merger is, is, you know, is actually three times more difficult than building it from scratch because you're taking three existing cultures and you're trying to create a new culture um, out of them. So we had to think really long and hard about culture. And there, there were a couple of things that I think are key. The first is, you know, what, what we refer to as and, and is commonly referred to as signature practices. So ways of behaving, um, ways of doing things that, um, that could really entrench your, your values and your culture. So not, not, not just hoping that the culture would emerge according to the values that you have, but actually finding, um, you know, so for example, we, we really wanted to create a learning culture. We wanted to create an environment in which people were incentivized to grow. Um, and, and to learn and to expand their skills. So we set up something years ago um, called Native Axe, which what started off called the Axe Sharpeners and it's now called Native Axe, which is really the theory is that, you know, that every now and then an axe, uh, you know, you, you as a woodchop has to stop to sharpen their axe. And so every Friday across the country, we would bring in speakers from the outside who would talk to us on anything from uh, kind of advertising related stuff through to philosophy, through to surfing, whatever it was. And, and people were incentivized to attend those sessions. And it was the beginning of saying, we have a signature practice called native acts, which um, really demonstrates our desire to create a, a growing and a learning culture. And that's evolved. And I can take you through some of the other signature practices that we've added to entrench that. So, so that was the one thing, creating signature practices around which to build culture, things that belong to your organization specifically. The second, though, I think is to really understand structure as the flip side of the culture coin or culture as the flip side of the structure coin and to put your money where your mouth is in terms of that. So early on in our development, we wrote something called the native way. And the native way was an expression of how we wanted to act and behave as a company. And one of the lines in the native way um, spoke about us as being tribal. And um, we all sat down in a room and we kind of said, why is it that we have this feeling that we want to be tribal? And we spoke a lot about, you know, this new open generation where it's no longer command and control. It's no longer hierarchical. It's, you know, it's about teamwork and collaboration and all of those good things. But we sat in a room and we looked at each other and we said, you know what, we don't want to take this line, we are tribal, out of the native way. But if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that actually as an organization, we're not tribal. We have kind of a sausage factory structure where the baton is passed from, from one specialist to the next as we produce um, a particular thing. And, and we sat around and we said, well, you know, that's not we, want, we do want to be tribal and we're not going to put it on the wall and say we are it if we aren't it. Mm. And we have to accept that actually our current very traditional hierarchical structure is not allowing us to be tribal. And so we completely, over the course of six months, 
completely restructured the business into what we now call tribes. We have four tribes in the business. We're about to launch our fifth tribe. And each one of those tribes is a um, has its own little internal brand. It has its own tribal council, its own leadership team. It is directly incentivized according to its revenue targets, according to uh, meeting its capacity targets. They are allowed to create their own signature practices, their own way of doing things. And they have a huge amount of autonomy to be self-directed and self-motivated in achieving their goals. But each one of these tribes is undoubtedly a subset of the overall native tribe. And we all kind of consolidate into one culture, but each tribe has its own little subculture as well. And that has completely changed our business. We are truly now a tribal organization and it's given us scalability. It's given us um, uh, without a doubt, uh, the ability to create an environment in which everyone feels like they can contribute, they can make an impact, they are learning and growing, and, and, and it sort of transformed us as a business. And, and the shift from a non-tribal structure to a tribal structure has can be directly tied to the sort of turnaround in our business, which went through some really difficult times when we first merged to the point where we're at now where I really kind of think we've sort of hit our flow. And, and that structural change brought with it a cultural change, which has without a doubt helped us achieve our vision and our strategy. So I think it's about understanding the, the, the relationship between values, structure, and culture, and working with those things and being honest with yourself about what you need to change in order to achieve those objectives. Amazing. Thanks. Thanks so much for that, Jason. That's very clear and provide, will provide a lot of value to the guys, I'm sure. And on that bombshell, it concludes the first half of our interview. <laughs> Congratulations, you made it. <laughs> but um, we're going we're gonna to basically spend the next few minutes hitting you with some rapid fire questions just about business in general and, and about you personally, right? So I'd like to start by asking you this. What do you wish you had known about business 20 years ago? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can't literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that business is all about timing. Um, and uh, I think I do, I do wish I'd known that 20 years ago because I think some of the things I did then were too early um, rather than too late. And I think what I've learned about timing is that it is often worse to be too early than to be too late. Okay. Um, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Wow. Um, what, what I think will happen to us, um, in a thousand years time. 
<laughs> Good one. Okay, we won't ask that one. No, <laughs> we probably won't be around unless Elon Musk has his way. Then we might be around. But anyway, yeah, there are, there are a lot of people who think we might be around. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> fatalists, sir. Fatalists. What can you do? Um, when you hear the word successful, who do you think of and why? Sure. Um, that's such a tough, tough question. I think my, the first name that came to my mind was Elon Musk, but that the why was only because you had just mentioned his name. Probably is undoubtedly successful at this point in time. But strangely enough, I think of 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 people like Bruce Lee um, and why because I think he attained perfection in the art form that he was um, uh, that he was uh, kind of chasing or following. Um, I think of Nelson Mandela because I think that he achieved not only success for himself, but success for everybody around him, for the hopes and dreams of of a kind of a community and a nation and in many ways um, the world. Um, And I think of Bob Marley and I think I think of him again for the same reason. He He achieved success in terms of of shifting the way people think in terms of, um, you know, shifting people's attitudes towards things. So I guess, I guess that, yeah, I think, I think a big part of it for me is success is, is not about making money or, um, you know, or, or building something that's bigger and faster. Success is about um, shifting and shaping the perceptions and preconceptions and ideas of those around you. Cool. Great stuff. Um, contrary to that, who comes to mind when you think of the word punchable? Ah! Who comes to mind when you think of the word punchable? And they're probably Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I'd have to stand in a very, very long line to have a shot at him. I don't think there are probably a few politicians in South Africa that I could uh, put, on, put on that list as well, but I won't. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't. Uh, I don't. Um, uh, there's no one. There's no one that I really feel like punching right now. If there was, I'd probably punch them. <laughs> awesome, cool. Uh, next one. What problem do you face every day that nobody else has solved yet? Dealing with people. Um, I often say my business would be perfect if I had no staff or clients. Um, I think, you know, I, I love people and, and I love my, I love everyone that works at Native and I love all of our clients, but, you know, dealing with the, the dynamics of human interaction um, is a challenge every day. And I, 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 have, I haven't seen anyone that solved that. I don't think anyone ever will solve it. I don't think it's a problem to be solved. It's just, uh, it's the context of being human. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, productivity apps. A lot of entrepreneurs um, in the community and obviously in, in that I know work with productivity apps. Are you working with any productivity apps at the moment? And would you like to recommend any? No, not I'm not personally. I mean, and I don't, you know, entirely what you would fit into that category. But we, you know, as a company, we use all of the standard, you know, things like Google Docs and um, Slack, you know, has become quite a big thing for us at the moment, which is is working well. And that certainly seems to, you know, assist with productivity. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, personally, I don't use any kind of specific. Okay, cool. What, what has been the toughest decision you've ever made in business? And what did you learn from it? I think the most unpleasant thing that um, we ever had to do was back, you know, Metropolis 
uh, the company that I was the listed the company that I was responsible for listing on behalf of Prime Media back in 1998 was very much part of the dot com boom and bust period. I mean, we we went from zero to a listing in like 90 days, and um, after we listed, our share price kind of doubled overnight, and then it fell through the floor. And we literally were one of the few listed companies in South Africa to go through exactly the roller coaster that that Silicon Valley went through during that time. Um, and as a result of, of, of um, accepting that the floodgates of e-commerce were not going to open and make us all billionaires overnight, we had to retrench a lot, about 100 people in one day. Um, and it was unavoidable. Um, and it was, it was an awful experience to have to go through, um, particularly because, you know, I, I created a created and articulated a vision and convinced a whole lot of people to follow. Um, and then unfortunately we had to say, listen, we're going in the wrong direction and we have to change track. Um, what I learned from it ultimately is, as I said before, that sometimes in business it's worse to be too early than to be too late. Um, and we were too early. A lot of the things that we were trying to develop back in 1998 are only coming to pass now. We were um, you know, building a business-to-business social me- social network before any social networks existed, um, and 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 we felt really clever at the time for being so far ahead of the pack. Um, but being that far ahead of the pack often means you're that far ahead of the market too, mm. um, and that doesn't work out well. I guess the allied lesson that I learned from that is if you've got money in the bank, spend it slowly and spend it wisely because when it's finished, it's finished. Um, <laughs> Cash is king, right? <clears throat> okay, um, second last question. What recent purchase have you made um, for $100 or less uh, and which has had a significant positive impact on your life? And this may be a bit of a cheat answer, but um, it was a pogo stick for my son <laughs> that I bought on the weekend and it's had a very direct impact on my life because all I hear all day long is... <laughs> awesome he's doing big tricks on it but uh but yeah the pogo stick was the last thing i bought (laughs) awesome cool (laughs) uh last question what's your why as an entrepreneur what gets you out of bed in the morning my why is very definitely to make to make a dream come true or to make a vision uh, to bring a vision to reality so um every thing that I do as an entrepreneur is driven by the fact that I have had an idea, um, some kind of moment of inspiration that has said, wow, that would be cool if, um, and the hours and years of hard work that follow are always about trying to take that idea, that, that vision, that what if, and actually make it real. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Jason, that concludes the uh, the Digital Kung Fu show for Jason Zanopoulos today. Thank you for your time today. It's been really awesome to explore culture and a little bit more about you personally. Um, it's been really valuable for me and I'm sure the other, the, the other viewers as well. And uh, Jason, I'll say goodbye, wishing you all the best for the rest of the year. Thanks, Matt. Remember that the show is now on iTunes, so please head on over and either write us a review or subscribe for new episodes. And if you'd like to be an exclusive real-time participant on our next Digital Kung Fu live show, then visit our website at digitalkungfu.co.za forward slash live to get early bird VIP access. 
Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.